No animals were harmed in the production of this program. Warning, the following program contains images of violence and should not be viewed by... Excuse me, Mr. Announcer Person? You can't talk to me. The announcer never has any interaction with the cast of the program. But Mr. Announcer Person, in regards to your warning, this is radio. There is nothing to view. What? I said this is radio. There is nothing to view. <laughs> There's no need for a warning. But what about the violence? The opening of this show is extremely violent. How do you know that? I just read ahead in my script, like this. Oh, I never thought of that. I read ahead, and the opening of this show is exceptionally violent. I wanted to warn people of that fact. Don't worry about it. Let me explain. Since this is radio, an auditory medium, nothing is visual. The action is all in the imagination of the listener. The listener hears the words and sees the action through his or her mind's eye, based on his or her own experience. We are free to say what we want, as long as it is within the bounds of good taste and free of dirty words. I'm still a little foggy about what you mean. Tell you what, let's start the show, and I'll show you what I mean. Okay, but how do we do that? Simple. Just cue the sound man, and... When you need a private eye, and times are tough, you may not have the resources to afford Philip Marlowe, Peter Chambers, Brad Runyon, or Dr. Danfield. So who can you turn to except... T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. Yes, T-Bone Stone gives you more value for your covert detection dollar. Today's exciting episode is called The Case of the Guilty Butler and stars Jake Vandebreak as T-Bone Stone. This program is brought to you by... Peggy's Pork Products, from Perfectly Pampered Pigs. You're right, T-Bone, that was easy. I usually don't cut through any dark and dangerous alley, especially in a rough neighborhood like this one. But that's what the script says, and I'm pretty much a slave to the writer's words. In a particularly dark place in the alley, I was confronted by a couple of big ugly goons. I didn't know who they were, but I figured meeting up with them is why I was in this stupid alley. Hey, are you T-Bone Stone? Why? Does he owe you fellows money? If this T-Bone Stone fellow owes you money, I'm Sidney Schlodnick of the American Dental Association. Stone don't owe me money. How about you, Thumper? Not me. But that name, Sidney Schlodnick, sounds familiar. Are you sure T-Bone Stone don't owe you any money, Al? No. And I told you not to call me Al. Call me Boom Boom. Thumper and Boom Boom? Who thinks of these names? My real name is Aloysius. But I don't want the guys to know. I want them to call me Boom Boom. Because my left fist is named Boom... And my other fist is named Boom. That's why they call me Boom Boom. I didn't ask for a dissertation on the origin of your name, I just... Oh, you mean onomastics, the study of origin, history, and use of names. Where did that come from? How does a lowlife like you know something like that? Reader's Digest. Not just your typical lowlife. I have a mind, you know. So... 
How'd you get the name Thumper? Because I likes to thump people's heads. Wait a minute, you guys. What's going on here? If I'm not Sidney Schwadnik of the American Dental Association, then what do you guys want from T-Bone Stone? We've wasted a page of dialogue. Well, sometimes you gotta pad the story out a little to make the half out. But we're here to give you a warning, T-Bone Stone. Yeah, and what is the warning? Uh, I, I forgot. Isn't that why you're here, Thumper? I thought I was here because I have a strong back and a weak mind. We're getting nowhere with this. Thumper, you got any ideas? Oh, yeah. The boss says, tell Stone not to... Uh, to... Oh, I don't remember. You don't remember? You're a bad example for the rest of the International Brotherhood of Antagonists, Villains, and Thugs. Local 502. If they knew, they would... Uh, they would... Are you threatening us? No, I just said... I'll show you what you just said. Quick as a flash, I inserted my body in the clutches of Thumper's powerful hands. My stomach blocked a right and a left combination from Boom Boom, and my face deflected a couple of uppercuts. Cleverly taking refuge on the ground, I stopped a couple of their kicks with my ribs and skull. I felt really tired and sensed I was losing touch with reality. Before slipping off into La La Land, I heard them walk away, speculating about the occupation of my mother and marital status of my parents. T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective is a very amateur broadcast theater production. Written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. We will now return to the next act of The Case of the Guilty Butler. See what I told you, T-Bone? It was violent. I don't remember how I made my way back to the office. I entered my private office through a side door and called over the intercom for my receptionist, then fell onto the couch next to my desk. Oh, T-Bone, what happened to you? Your face is a mess. I had an interesting encounter with a couple of thugs. I don't even know who they work for. Do you want me to get Billy to take you to the hospital? No, Vera. I'll be okay. It's Verna, T-Bone. Vera is my second cousin twice removed on my father's side. And she stopped working here three years ago. Sorry, Velma. I... Ugh. I don't remember what I was going to say. I said it's Verna. Velma is an investigator for Crystal Cove Properties. Okay, Becky. I'm tired. I think I'm going to go take a little nap now. Don't fall asleep, T-Bone. You may be in shock. I'm going to call Billy and get some ice for your head. Okay. Why don't you sing me a song, Lola? Like the ones you used to sing at the Coconut Club. Oh, yeah. Bring me a drink, too. Back at T-Bone's private office, Billy Biggs has arrived and Verna has an ice pack on T-Bone's forehead. Unfortunately, T-Bone has lost the ability to narrate the story. Billy, what should we do? T-Bone isn't making any sense. He's talking gibberish. And for the stock market. Industrial stocks are up, commodities are down, and paper remains stationary. 
I don't know what to say, Verna. He's taken a good thump to the head. He may be delirious. I wonder if he's going to do the sports soon. I didn't hear how the mud hens did today. But even worse, if he can't narrate, there'll be no way to push ahead the exposition of the story. We'll be trapped in this moment and won't be able to get out. And product placement from our sponsor, Biggie's Perfect Pork Products. For pigs, you pamper. What are we going to do? We need him to narrate to move the story on. Um, hello? Mr. Announcer Man? I have an important question. Hello? Announcer Guy? I know you're there. I have a question. What do you want? You know I'm not supposed to interact with the cast of the program. You spoke with T-Bone at the beginning of the program. Don't try denying it. Mr. Announcer, we need you. Please help. But if the RRC, that is, the Radio Rules Committee, hears about it, I can be rebuked, reprimanded, or chastised. And you know how uncomfortable that can be. What would they say about a program that got caught in an endless causality loop, where the story is unable to progress because the announcer refuses to help out? Oh, okay. I'll probably get in big trouble. But let me check the RRC's guidelines for radio coherence and consistency to create a harmonious and credible radio play. That's a big book. Look, Verna, it's almost as big as you. Put a sock in it, smarty pants, or I'll... Focus, focus, you two. Let me see. Section 3, Article 14, Paragraph 2, Item 6.3. What to do if their narrator is unwilling or unable to narrate due to natural or unusual circumstances. What does it say? There is a footnote. It says, see footnote 3-117, subnote G, at the end of the book. This could take all night. Quiet. Here it is. Let's see. Subnote G says, if the narrator is unwilling or unable to narrate, Due to natural or unusual circumstances, up to and including death or dismemberment, another character can assume the duties of temporary replacement narrators. These duties have the same requirements, responsibilities, and obligations of the original narrator. However, ooh, however is all in caps. That must mean it's important. Quiet, Billy, let's see. However... If the original narrator is able to resume their duties, the temporary replacement narrator must discontinue his or her narration responsibilities. Failure to do so will result in disciplinary action, up to and including having their microphone muted. (gasps) Microphone muted? Why, that... that's like being sent to radio purgatory. T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective is a very amateur broadcast theater production starring Jake Vandebrake as T-Bone Stone and Kirk Spicer as Billy Biggs. We will now return to the next act of The Case of the Guilty Butler. This program is brought to you by Peggy's Pork Products from perfectly pampered, pleasant pigs. As we return to T-Bone Stone's office, Billy and Verna are at a loss as to what to do about T-Bone. He is lying on a sofa like a cat playing with a piece of string. Microphone muted? Why, 
That's like being sent to Radio Purgatory. Okay, cut the musical flourish. We've got serious problems here. Tell you what, Billy. You be the narrator. We gotta get the story going. Okay, let me give it a shot. Ahem. <clears throat> A Saturday afternoon in November was approaching the time of twilight. No, no, no. That's not how you do it. You're not even close. And what's up with what you're saying? Sounds like the opening of Tess of the Dubervilles by Thomas Hardy. Well, that's all I could think of at a moment's notice. I've got a lot of pressure here, you know. I'm T-Bone's right-hand man. It's up to me to get the key information so he can break the case. So, that's the problem. Too much stress. High stress levels curtail the ability to narrate. I don't understand why, it's just one of those things. Two households, both alike in dignity. In fair Verona, where we lay are seen. Uh-oh, T-Bone is quoting the beginning of Romeo and Juliet. What sort of devilry is this? There must be something in the air. I have an unnatural desire to call myself Ishmael. It was the best of times, it was... Oh! My, now I'm doing it! Calm down now, everyone. I think it's past. But what are we going to do? Can the announcer also narrate? You seem to be pretty good at it. No, I'm afraid that would completely violate guidelines for radio coherence and consistency to create a harmonious, incredible radio play. I certainly don't want my microphone muted. How would we be able to end this program? Oh, the horror! Hush up, Billy. No need to be so dramatic. I guess it's up to me now, isn't it? I guess so. Why don't you try cueing the music? Maybe that will help. Right. Okay, cue the music. T-Bone was in a terrible situation. He had been clubbed by some mob thugs who obviously wanted him to lay off the case, but didn't remember what case he was to avoid. T-Bone lay on his office couch delirious from his beating. And what was worse, he had lost the ability to narrate. Good, Verna. Now, I'll settle back in the background and wait for the next commercial. But T-Bone's lovely and gracious secretary... Don't get full of yourself. I can still hear you. But T-Bone's efficient secretary stepped in to assume the narrator's duties. Okay, okay. Let's get this show on the road. Billy and Verna didn't know which case they were to avoid. According to T-Bone, the two thugs didn't remember what their boss had told them to say. I guess we will have to turn down every case until T-Bone gets his mind back and figures this out. Half a league, half a league, half a league onward. All in the valley of death. Road the 600. The Charge of the Light Brigade by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Now he's quoting Crimean War poetry. Is that good or bad? I don't know, Verna. Should I have taken him to the hospital? Or maybe the library? Just as Billy spoke these words, there was a knock at the main office door. Do you think we should answer the door? Well, this story ain't going nowhere without something happening. You're right, Verna. I'll answer the door. Hold your horses. I'll be right there. Yeah? What do you want? I need a detective, and I heard this T-Bone Stone guy would give me a good deal. Sorry, T-Bone's schedule is all filled up. Either come back another day or find another detective. 
that, Billy? Just some guy. I got rid of him. Good. We can't take any cases until T-Bone is feeling better. Poor T-Bone. How are you feeling? In Xanadu, did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man, down to a sunless sea. Now he's quoting Kubla Khan by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Is he in some kind of English lit class? Oh no, it's the phone. Are you going to get it? Not me. You get it, Billy. But you're the receptionist. Not right now. I'm, um... I'm T-Bone's personal nurse and narrator. Okay, I'll get it. Hello? This is Wu Fat Fu's Chinese restaurant. Some young guy speaking. Wu Fat Fu's Chinese restaurant? I dialed T-Bone Stone's office and you sound just like his associate, Billy Biggs, doing a bad accent. T-Bone is unavailable. Call back tomorrow. But I need T-Bone's expertise. He's a skilled detective and I can't find my car keys. He's got to help me find them. I'll pay whatever his rate is. Where was the last place you remember having them? No, Billy, we can't take the chance. It could be a setup. Hang up. Hey, there they are. You were right. Hey, Billy, you're good. What do I owe you? Nothing. Gotta go. Bye. What? That was close. I hope it wasn't too close. Verna, I gotta get out on the street and figure out who threatened T-Bone and get this episode resolved. Have the announcer take us to a commercial. We now return you to the thrilling conclusion of T-Bone Stone, the discount detective, in the case of the guilty butler. Billy was in his element, outside getting the word on the street. As long as it wasn't pedestrian crossing or stop ahead, we'd be all right. There was only one prospective client at the door. It was a guy who wanted T-Bone to help him find his glasses. Verna gave him the quick brush off. She had noticed the guy's glasses were on the top of his head. He'd find them soon enough. T-Bone seemed to be a little bitter. He was quoting Winnie the Pooh from Now We Are Six by A.A. Milne. As T-Bone started to come back to his senses, the door opened and Billy walked in with three rough-looking characters. One was of slight build and dressed to the nines. The other two were large, muscular-looking goons with bad-fitting, wrinkled clothes. Verna jumped to her feet and grabbed a ruler to defend T-Bone. A swift crack to the knuckles if you don't stay away from him, you thugs! Relax, Verna. No one is going to hurt T-Bone. In fact, they're here to apologize. This is Gino. I recognize you from the paper. You're Gino Winsatelli, the head cheese of the mob around here. Hey, haven't you been indicted? Indicted? I get indicted all the time. But I have lawyers to take care of that nonsense. Let me introduce you to two of my associates. Boom Boom and Thumper, I recognize you two brutes. What, are you here to finish me off? Relax, T-Bone. Mr. Winzatelli has come here to make amends. Amends? You gonna take back that beating? Just don't try anything, because I got this ruler and I know how to use it. I got my eye on you. 
on all three of you. What's all this about, Gino? I know you are busy with all of your nefarious activities. So what brings you to my humble chapeau? Oh, T-Bone. Nefarious is such a pejorative. Hey, pejorative. I know what that means. Remember, Reader's Digest. Shut your mouth, Thumper. When I want you to talk, I'll tell you what to say. Yes, boss. And don't call me boss. Yes, boss. Sorry, boss. The quality of help these days. Now, where was I? I completely lost my place. Let me look back in the script. Ah, yes. Here it is. <clears throat> what brings you to my humble chapeau? T-Bone, while Verna held down the fort, so to speak, I went out to get the word on the street. I found out that Boom Boom and Thumper here work as, how shall I put it, personal assistants to Mr. Winzatelli. Yeah, personal assistants. What he said. I said, shut up, Boom Boom. Yes, boss. Don't call me boss. Yes, boss. Sorry, boss. My brain is starting to hurt. Yeah, Gino. Your associates did quite a number on my brain, too. Yes, I know. That's why I'm here, T-Bone, to apologize to you. Apologize? Your hoodlums almost killed T-Bone. He was teetering on the brink- That's all right, Verna. Let him finish. As I was saying, they went after T-Bone Stone when I told them to warn Trombone Jones. Yeah, Trombone Jones. What he said. Thumper, stifle it. Yes, boss. And don't call me boss. Yes, boss. Sorry, boss. All right, this is the announcer. I'm showing a yellow card to the writer for violation of the running gag rule. I want to give that music guy a yellow card for overusing that flourish. Quiet, Verna. Let's get this done so we can go to the cast party. So, Gino, you mentioned Trombone Jones. Doesn't he headline down at the Kitty Cat Lounge and Grill on Willowbrook Street down by the docks? Yeah. I wanted them to warn Trombone Jones not to play stealing apples at the Kitty Cat Lounge and Grill anymore, because I don't like apples. These two dingbats thought I said T-Bone Stone. You can understand the mix-up, can't you? Can we shake and make up? I could never be fool enough to refuse an act of contrition from Gino Winzatelli. So yes, let's shake and you can escort your duo of ruffians out of here. I'm sorry, T-Bone. It won't happen again. Unless the boss say so. Yeah, T-Bone. Ditto for me. Well, I guess that's as close to an apology as I'm gonna get from those two. And I won't forget either. I owe you one. Remember, Gino Winzatelli never forgets. I got a memory like an elephant. As they walked out my front door, I resisted the temptation to yell out, You may have the memory of an elephant, but the rest of your face don't look so good either. And stealing apples is a jazz clarinet number popularized by Benny Goodman, not a trombone vehicle. T-Bone's narration abilities were apparently back to normal. Yeah, I guess I'm back, Verna. But T-Bone was not- All right, Verna. If T-Bone's narrating abilities are back, you must divest yourself of your narration duties. But I like narrating, can't I- I have no choice. Mr. Sound Guy, mute Verna's microphone. 
Shiver me timbers. Is there a pirate in the audience? No, Billy. But don't worry about Verna. Once she attends a couple of narrator harassment seminars, she'll be able to return. Thank goodness, T-Bone. But I have a question. Yes, Billy? What's the question? T-Bone, the writer got a yellow card. What if he gets a red card? As announcer, I'll take this question. If the writer gets a red card, he is removed for the rest of the episode. For the rest of the episode? But what will the characters do? Who will write the words for us to deliver? The actors will be free to improvise. The actors will finally have all power. And do you know what that means? Anarchy? Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? You've been listening to T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective, a very amateur broadcast theater production, starring Jake Vandebreak as T-Bone Stone and Kirk Spicer as Billy Biggs. Also starring Gloriana Spicer as Verna Gibson. Additional cast members are Ernie Wilson as Gina Winzatelli and Boom Boom, Emmanuel Martinez as Thumper, prospective client number one, and the pirate audience member. Paula Morris as the prospective client number two. The Case of the Guilty Butler was written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. Be sure to catch our next show when T-Bone Stone says... A clerk in a Flemish fish market, a mannequin's left ear, and a rubber chicken's neck spell murder in the case of the unusual side effect. The art director was George Venegas, music by Dave Feslian. This program is brought to you by Peggy's Pork Products from perfectly pampered, pleasant, premium pigs. Polly Posey was ready to narrate. Squat! But the writer nixed that idea. 